We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome once again to Mel Tucker's Inside Zone, the weekly podcast for the head football coach here at the University of Colorado. I'm voice of the boss, Mark Johnson. Well, this is kind of a treat here today. Uh, I get to sit here with uh, the two guys I deal with all season long. we got Mel on the football side. And you decided you want the basketball coach, Tad Boyle, in here this week. Yeah, Coach Boyle, he's, he's my hero, man. <laughs> and when I grow up, I want to be like Tad. So I figured we could get him in here before the, the season gets rolling too heavy. Well, I appreciate gonna, you coming in, Coach. Yeah, Absolutely. Gonna, it's good to be with you guys. I was going to say, you Fun. guys could just sit here and talk coaching philosophy for the next half hour. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We could do that. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. No, this is, a, this is a treat. I mean, you know, Coach Tucker and I don't get a chance to spend enough time together, obviously with our offices being over in the event center and, they're here in the Champion Center, so on a day-to-day basis, we don't don't run into each other a lot. But uh, so it's good to spend time with you guys. Appreciate it, Coach. You, uh, Coach, you played at Kansas back in the day. Well, you're starting with the hard stuff right <laughs> away there. Well, yeah. Holy cow! I mean, I'm a basket, I'm a basketball fan, and like back in the day, you remember, you know, you watch. It was like Big Monday, and you mm-hmm. have like St. John's, you know, Georgetown, Syracuse, all that deal, and then but Kansas was like. And still is the deal, and you were you were playing there back in the yeah, day. Yeah, I you know Mel, I was uh, there's there's two kinds of players as you know those those that are over recruited and those that are under recruited. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was in the over recruited category, but uh, but I did play four years. You know, it's funny I had one of those unique careers where I started my freshman and sophomore year, mm-hmm. and then came off the bench uh, my junior and senior year. So I learned a lot, you know, through that through that process. Yeah. But uh, people think I was a hell of a lot better than I was because of, <laughs> because of the fact I played there. There's no doubt. So what what was the moment when you got to Kansas and you realized 
there are two kinds of players. When did that happen? Well, it happened the summer uh, of my freshman year. Okay. And we used to work out at Lawrence High, and we'd play pickup games. And I had never played on fan-shaped backboards before. And, okay. and so I drove down the lane, and I went up for my first shot, and it got punched in about the fourth row. <laughs> so the next time I come down, I say, okay, well, they're not going to get this. I'm going to put it high off the glass. There you go. And I put it high off the glass, and it hits the edge of the fan and, and bounces out of bounds. So <laughs> I didn't have the square backboard to do the floaters, so I figure off maybe I should pass and, and quit driving. But, uh, you know, back then there was no three-point line. And there was uh, uh, no no shot clock. Sure. So the game was totally different. And uh, this this game today is a, a little different animal. Larry Brown was the coach then, right? Yeah, I played two years for Ted Owens. Okay. Two for Larry Brown. Uh, I told, tell people, Ted Owens got fired for recruiting guys like me. So, <laughs> um, I tell Coach Owens that every time I see him. Sure. And he agrees. I don't, <laughs> I don't like that. But, yeah, two years for Coach Owens and two years for Coach Brown. What do you remember most about Coach Brown? He's one of the great – Legendary yeah. coaches. I mean, he's one of the only guys, the only guy to win an NCAA championship and an NBA championship. And I learned so much from Coach Brown, not only about the X's and O's of the game. And, you know, I remember when I got into coaching, uh, got my first head job, Coach Brown said, Tad, if your teams defend every night and they rebound every night, you'll uh -huh. give yourself a chance to win. You're not going to win every game, but you give yourself a chance if you do those two things. That's number one. The second thing that I really appreciated about Coach Brown. I played with a guy named Danny Manning. Uh, We've heard of him. Yeah, you've heard of him. Yeah. He's, he's, not, he's not bad. Uh, but uh, Danny was a special player, obviously. Number one pick in the draft, led the team to the national championship in 88. Danny was a freshman when I was a senior. And uh, one thing I learned from Coach Brown is you treat everybody on your team fairly, mm -hmm. but you don't treat them the same. Yeah, and, interesting. And I think as a coach, you know, there's so many coaches, especially young coaches, yep. that think, hey, it's my way and we everybody's got to fall in line to what I do and how we play. And certainly you have to have standards. You've got to have non-negotiables. But Coach Brown taught me uh, from seeing how he coached Danny versus how he coached me. Sure. Uh, you can you can be fair without treating you the same. Take us back to – so here you're, you're growing up in Greeley. And you're obviously a, a highly regarded player coming out of Colorado. Yeah, that's how you end up in yeah. Kansas. Over-recruited. Right. Over-recruited, <laughs> but, but still. You but, can say it, Mark. But <laughs> I know you want to. I was over-recruited over also in Wisconsin, just so you know. Yeah. Well, I wasn't going to say you were a heady player. We all know what that means, right? Absolutely. But, but you were recruited, obviously, by Colorado. So yeah. how was that when you made the decision, okay, I'm going to leave my home state and go to Kansas? Yeah. Well, Coach Tucker knows now, you know, football is kind of going through it now where they have two signing dates. Yeah. And uh, back then there was only one signing date in basketball. We've been dealing with two signing dates for, for years now. But back then you couldn't sign until April after your senior year of high school. And I, 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 Bill Blair was a coach here when I was a senior. And I really liked Coach Blair. I came up here for a lot of unofficial visits, kind of where I fell in love with CU football. Okay. Uh, coming up to football games and spending time up here. And, and so, but when the season was over with, Coach Blair left, ironically, to go to work with Larry Brown for the New Jersey Nets. Oh, wow. And uh, so Colorado was without a coach. And I remember uh, Eddie Crowder was the athletic director at the time. And uh, it took him about five or six weeks to get a coach in a very critical recruiting period. Sure. And during that time, I was visiting, you know, taking the rest of my visits. And I visited Kansas, and I committed there. And, and about a week later, Tom Apkin was hired. And he had recruited me at Creighton when he was at Creighton. And mm -hmm. so, I, you know, he came in the house and kind of made a last-ditch effort. But I, I just I stayed true to my commitment. But uh, – 
there, are, I, I would be lying if there were days I didn't think, you know, I, I thought about this the other day. You know, there's a difference between regret and if you could do things over again. Sure, sure. And, yeah, right. and I think uh, – I don't regret going to Kansas by any – I mean, I, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. And, uh, again, people think I'm a heck of a lot better than I was. But <laughs> the one thing – if I had to do over again, I mean, being a Colorado guy, and I see what Josh Scott has done. I see what, you know, Dominique Collier's done. I see sure. what Sean Schwartz – all of our in-state guys. And to play for your in-state school, it would be pretty special. Yeah. Coach, I'm always fascinated to hear about, you know – how do you get in the coaching? How guys get in, and you know what was the motivation? Did you ever? Did you always think that you wanted to coach? Or? You know, it's a great question, Mel. Absolutely not. I mean, I was a business major at Kansas. I thought money was going to make me happy. I was dying to get out and kind of make my mark, mark in the world. And and uh, I, I made a goal. Uh, and I, in fact, I made, I made a, a bet with my assistant coach in uh, college, Bob Hill that I'd make $100,000 by the time I was, I was 30. Okay. And he said, no way, you're not going to yell at it. I mean, back then, that was, you know, oh, still yeah. is a lot of money. Yeah, but, that's right. But I said, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I did it. And uh, But what happened to me, Coach, is I was working as an investment advisor here in Boulder, working on Pearl Street. Hmm. And uh, I was on, coming to work one day, and South Boulder Road and McCaslin Boulevard, um, every time I go through that intersection, I think about it. But I was the first car in the intersection one morning, and a lady ran a red light and hit me going about 40. And knocked me out, don't remember what happened, totaled the car. And I was coaching high school basketball at the time. And about maybe a year or so later, I got a call from Mark Turgeon, who was on staff at Oregon, a college buddy of mine who I played with, and said, hey, we have an opening on staff. And back then in basketball, you had two full-time assistants and a restricted earnings coach. (laughs) The restricted earnings coach could make $16,000 a year. So, so you went from the big money to no money. I went from the big money to no money. But <laughs> 16000 a, a year. I did that for three years. Wow. And that's why, you know, I know that my wife did not marry me for my money. <laughs> uh, because she, she, you know, we started dating long distance. She moved out to Eugene. We ended yeah. up getting married. She was the breadwinner. And she didn't let me forget that very, very often. But I was not born a coach. There's certain guys, coaches, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure yep. guys in your staff and uh, you know, uh, I don't know if, where you fall in that in that spectrum. There's certain guys that are born to coach, and there are guys yeah. that just kind of find it. I yeah. found it, or yeah. it found me. I don't huh. know which way. But, so yeah. there was something about that accident, though, that woke you up. Was it an epiphany? Or? No question. Yeah. It was a because when the when the opportunity came, I had that perspective that life can be taken away from you at any moment. Sure. From a from a red light to a green light, it can it can be gone. Now, thankfully, it wasn't for me. But another five feet in the intersection, it is. I'm not. I'm not sitting here talking to you guys today. So, um, yeah, I, it just uh, that that changed my perspective, and I think that allowed me to make my jump. The other the other thing I always tell young people is stay out of debt. Sure. Stay yeah. out of debt because yeah. if you have debt, you can't make the choice that I made. Uh, fortunately, I wasn't married at the time. I had no children. Yep. Uh, if I if I did. Probably wouldn't have made that move, and right. you know who knows? I uh, might be running your money today, yeah. <laughs> yeah. or maybe yours. Yeah, that's right. Know. Well, not mine. I don't <laughs> but nothing says stay out of debt like make sixteen thousand dollars a year, does it? Yes, Holy <laughs> there is no doubt. Yeah, you got you get you can't have debt if you're gonna can have that kind of income. But it was, uh, you know, I, I I feel very very lucky, mm-hmm. and that, that's why when I come to work every day, and coach, I don't know if you feel like this, but yeah. you see the flat irons, you yeah. see the place we work, and the 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 campus that we're on, the university mm-hmm. that we work for, and the people we work with, and I'm just thankful every day. Coach, what, at what point did you realize, or like early in coaching, like, I can do this, like, I'm a coach, like, I'm going to be a good coach? 
you know, I don't know if I ever knew that. I just, I just knew that uh, when I was in that uh, role at Oregon and I was a restricted earnings coach and I was doing everything. I was doing team travel. I was doing academics. I was, you know, I, I, I could scout and put game plans together. I was doing underclassmen recruiting, even though I couldn't be on the road recruiting. But I, I just saw that the relationship and the effect that you can have on young men's lives yep. and the positive effect that you can have, uh, and it just it, there's just something about it that just it just kind of uh, got to me. And I and I look around the league, and then I went when I went from Oregon to Tennessee in the SEC. Then I went from Tennessee to Jacksonville State, and I saw people around me and who was moving up in the business and who was moving out, who was getting fired, who was. I'm like, you know, if that. You know, I, I would think to myself, if that guy can be a head coach, yeah. <laughs> I can do. I can be a head coach. Sure. So now I got to right. get lucky, and right. you better win wherever you are. You know that. That's and right. You've been a part of big time programs. That helps. But you know, when you're at Jacksonville State and you got uh, a baby and one on the way, and you don't know, it's, you come into work every day saying, "We had better win." <laughs> yeah, right now. Because my wife told me you got three years to get out of here with or without me. <laughs> We made, we, made, we made it out in two. Well, let me ask you this question, and this is for both of you That's guys. A true story. And, and uh, I'm going to be careful because I'm going to try not to offend when I ask both of you guys this question. This is just based on 30-some years of me doing what I do, being the announcer for a team and watching coaches and where they come from. Um, and to, to use Tad's uh, phrase, you were an under-recruiter or over-recruiter? Over-recruiter, over over yes. I have always thought that guys who are over-recruited – all right. And they're heady players, once again. I'll use that term. <laughs> because guys have to think the game a little bit, and they're just not unbelievably physically gifted, make better coaches than guys who are supremely talented. Am I wrong in that assumption? I'll ask both of you guys, because I believe both of you guys are outstanding coaches. I so appreciate that. Thank that, you. That would lead me to think maybe you weren't the best athlete, so I guess <laughs> is what I'm getting at. I was a great athlete. <laughs> okay. All right. No, no. You know what? Uh, there was a – I, used, I tell people all the time, they say, those who can't coach. <laughs> okay. You know, but and that, but it's not really true. I'm mean, kind of jokingly, you know, yeah. I've seen guys that were really good players become good coaches too, you know. Um, but for me, I think that um, it's kind of like what Taz said, you know, I really like helping people. Sure. And that's, that's like my passion. I just like to help. And so uh, once I kind of got into coaching and I realized the impact I was having on young, on young people – that was kind of that really just motivated me to just learn more about it and become a better coach so I can help people more, you know. And that's and so uh, I think that's really what what coaching is all about. Coaching is teaching, sure. you know. It's like you, you've had like like great a great English teacher like back in elementary school or something like that. It's really the same type of deal. And so I think regardless if you're a, a great player or just an average player or someone in between, you can become a great coach. I think. Where people do get, well, I've seen this happen quite a bit. Players that were guys that were great players, they don't make always the best coaches. Yeah, because the coach, because playing and coaching are two different things. Absolutely, yeah. and, and and I think some sometimes those great players get frustrated. Sure, they're great players because they care so much and they work so hard. And then you get in to coach a team and you see you, you expect every player to be like that, and the fact of the matter is they're not. You know, you have certain, you know, again, every team has harder workers than others. And, you know, there's, there's group dynamics that maybe the best player didn't have to really deal with. He just said, hey, give me the ball or, yeah. you know, get out of the way. And so I think the players that maybe were role players or maybe at the end of the bench, 
that really learned by seeing all the dynamics that went on, uh, th that really helps them become good coaches. Now, there's exceptions to every rule. I look at a guy like Doc Rivers, you know, for the Clippers. Doc great Rivers player. was a yes. hell yes. of a player. Man, yes. great player. And he's a hell of a coach. So, right. I think I, you, you hate to make, you know, broad – uh, brushed statements, but I think the the fact of the matter is a lot of the guys that uh, were role players or kind of saw the game through different eyes than, than, than maybe the star did uh, tend to make better coaches, but there's exceptions to every rule. I, I once heard Barry Bonds say he, he, he struggled, even though he's actually doing it now. He's a, he's a hitting instructor, but he said, I don't understand why you can't see what I saw when I was at the plate. <laughs> And there's got to be an issue there, right? Absolutely, because yeah. great players they they see the game, they feel the game, they you know there's something that made them great. Right. And and the majority of your players that you coach, they're not great players. They're good. Yeah. You want to make right. them, you know, you want to make the bad ones average. You want to make the average ones good. You want to make the good ones great. Sure. But we all know that sometimes the great ones are great just innately. You know, sometimes when you're coaching guys, I've had this happen many times over the years. Um, you see a you see a player that you're coaching, you you say, I think this guy would be a really good coach. Absolutely, you know, you, yeah. you, and you know I've, I've gone to guys sure. and said, hey, you know, have you ever thought about coaching? And But you don't want to offend them sometimes because, you know, they they tend to think, hey, man, I'm a good player. Like, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. be in the NFL. I'm not thinking about coaching right now. Right. But there's so many guys that – there's so many guys that um, that they'll say, no, nah, man, no, nah, I'll never want to – I'll never think – I'll never want to coach. And then next thing you know – you know, they're wandering sure. into your office saying, hey, could you uh, talk to me a little bit about this coaching deal? You know, that's a great I, – I, there's a there's a true real-life buff story about exactly what Coach is talking about. Nate Tomlinson, who was a point there guard on yep. our 2012 championship team, yep. you know, when it was over with, I, Nate was born to coach. His dad's a coach. He know, he wanted to coach. I knew it. He knew it. I said, Nate, why don't you go profes play professionally in Australia for a year, and then I'll hire you. Right. And I hired Sean Carney, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I told Sean, this is a one-year deal because, you know, Nate Thomas is going to come back because I didn't think Nate was going to play for six years. <laughs> right. But he ended up playing. Right. He called me and says, Coach, I, I kind of like playing. I said, hey, if you play as long as you can play. That's yeah. right. When you're ready, come back. And so uh, Coach is exactly right. You don't want to offend him, but uh, the reality is is certain guys are born to coach, and, and, and I'm sure Coach has a feel for the guys on his team. And, you know, and, and some guys can, can develop into it. You know, like McKinley Wright. I think McKinley Wright could be a great coach oh, yes. someday. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. There's no doubt. Now, he's not thinking that, and I don't want him right. thinking that. But, sure. uh, you know, you see certain guys that, that you know have, have what it takes. So I, I want to throw this at you, Chad. You guys are both in the world of recruiting. you got to go out and find athletes, all right? And in, in your case in basketball, over the time, your 10 years, I've, I've watched you go out and you've mined guys. You, you found, uh, you know, Andre Robertson. Was, they kind of came in between you and Jeff Bustelli, but still you got them here. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie is another one. You've got guys in your team right now that have grown into being NBA type type of players. How difficult is that when you're going out and you know you got the five star guys that everyone says are can't miss NBA guys, but in your case, you're looking at guys and, and trying to see what he looks like in four years and becomes an NBA guy. Yeah, it's uh, to me, it's the thing I love about coaching. Uh, and, and recruiting the most. I always tell people, we, we haven't out-recruited a lot of people at Colorado. I mean, we did for Evan Batty. Sure. We did for, you know, we got lucky with McKinley and his story. Um, Tyler Bay, we beat San Diego State for. But, so I think, you know, Tyler Bay's a good example. Like, we saw the athleticism. We saw the love of the game. We have a list of seven criteria of boxes we want checked. Usually a guy is going to check four or five of them. 
there's three of them that are non-negotiable. And uh, so I love evaluating guys and seeing where they're going to be and then challenging them. Uh, I, I, think, I think having a chip on your shoulder, there's something to be said for that. Mm, sure. And the five-star guys, they're renting uniforms in, in, in our sport. They're renting <laughs> yeah. your jersey. I don't want guys renting our jersey. I want them owning the Colorado jersey. And, you know, we've got a freshman right now, Keyshawn Bartholomew, who's redshirting. He doesn't own our jersey yet. He, he's, he's, he's renting it like an AAU jersey. Mm -hmm. Now, right. it's our job to get him to buy into the program, and that's something I think, Coach, you've done an unbelievable job of in your first year here is getting buy-in from guys you didn't recruit, and that's a difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, you've done an unbelievable job with that. But I think with every freshman, you know, there's, there's, some of them get there a little quicker than others, but uh, once they own the jersey and then you say, okay, why wasn't Arizona recruiting you? Why wasn't UCLA recruiting you? Well, let's right. go show them that they should have. And, and you better have guys that, that, that take that like a, like a piece of steak and just mm -hmm. eat it every day. You know, right. you just want them to, That's right. to be hungry to go knock off uh, those guys because we're not out recruiting people. We have to out-evaluate people, and mm -hmm. I tell our staff that all the time. I love to talk about recruiting, and, uh, <laughs> but I don't get a chance to talk to basketball coaches very often. It's always, you know, another football coach, you know. So – on the staff, when you're putting together a coaching staff, I'll tell you how it is in football with, with, some, with some coaches. You know, you'll have your coordinators that are your X and O guys, you know, and then you say, just give me a bunch of young guys. The rest of the guys, give me a bunch of young guys that love to recruit, you know, and then, and then they may grow into coaches. I've always believed that you should have guys that are X and O scheme guys and recruiters, guys that can do it all. How do you – what's your philosophy in, in terms of putting together the staff and with recruiting and experience and X's and O's and all that? It's a great question, Coach. And I think every coach um, has different philosophies. Mm -hmm. And you better know what your philosophy is, though. Right. And you better know as a coach, as a head coach especially, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, mm -hmm. where, where do you need to shore up, you know, and you better hire people in that, in that regard. But I've always felt – in basketball, I don't want specialists. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want our two guard just to be a three-point shooter. I don't want our point guard just to be a ball handler to get us in the offense. I don't want our, you know, three-man just to be a slasher athlete. I want basketball players. I want guys who are multi-talented, multi-faceted, um, and they, they have room to grow in every area, but I don't want specialists. And I feel the same way when we put together our staff. I oh. do not want a specialist. I don't want a guy who's just a recruiter sure. that can't coach. I don't want a guy that just can coach and can't recruit. Right. I want guys – I want to develop head coaches. Sure. And uh, to be a head coach, I think you have to be able to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So certain guys may be a little bit more plugged in recruiting-wise. Yep. Well, guess what? That's great. And sure. we, we need that. Right. Okay, and then go, go do it. But – how are you going to be, become a better workout guy? How are yeah. you going to be better, better at a scout uh, guy? How are you going to be better, you know, uh, coming up with a game plan? Mm -hmm. And you better work on that as a coach right. because eventually you're going to have to do that if you become a head coach. So multi, you know, I don't want specialists. Sure. I want guys that can, can do it all. And uh, I'm not, I'm not, you're not going to see us hire hired guns. Yeah. And, and Amen. some people, some people do that. And that's, sure. you know, that's, that's fine. But uh, that's, not, that's not our way. You know, you and I have talked about this before, and, and I think it's, it's important to bring up here, or at least interesting to bring up here, because when, when Tad goes out and, and you're Stanford crew, you're looking at one or two guys a year. Are you a little overwelmed when you watch and you look at Mel and you think, no. i got to sign 25 guys? 
You want to hear? I walked in the office and then, you know, they're watching, you know, they got game film up of yeah. high school kids play. I mean, I haven't watched a high school game film, you know, in 20 years. Right. Like, <laughs> now we may, we may watch a little bit of it or, you know, yeah, but sure. to, to kind of wet your whistle, but I'm not signing a kid by watching them all film. I got to right. go see them with my own eyes. Wow. I want to size him up you know how many times have you seen you know coach tucker uh i love when he made the comment that, you know the guy was 6'2 when we recruited him he got off the plane he was 5'11 <laughs> right, like, right. you know that's you can't tell that in film yeah, you know yeah, you, yeah. you got to see him with your own eyes there's so much there's so much you can see with a basketball player and i'm sure the same is with a football yeah. player in terms of their body language and what are they like when they come off the field or you know the running back you recruited just fumbled the ball or yeah. your, your quarterback just threw an interception how are they going to handle that how do they react yeah. to that you know, so much of that that's the intangibles that, you know, when you're recruiting kids are, I think, critically important. And I don't see how you do that on film. So I'm, I'm absolutely amazed and astonished how they do what they do in the numbers and, you know, just their recruiting. Um, I remember a few years ago we came over and met with the football staff because we started recruiting a little bit more in groups. Mm-hmm. And that's what football does. You know, you bring yeah. 25 kids in on a yeah. weekend or maybe right. even more. Yeah. How do you handle that? You know, we used to have – one kid, one weekend. Next mm. weekend, it's we've changed that up a little bit. Mm. And, and so I think basketball coaches can learn so much from football coaches. That's why I love the fact that, you know, Mel's season is, is before ours. So I can kind of watch and see, <laughs> right. and, you know, right. and, and just kind of watch it unfold. Because I think every season's so different. Every no. team's so different. No. And, uh, and, and, you know, we all, I think, you know, Coach, I think you'd probably agree, you know, you have to be a lifelong learner in yeah. this business. Because no once you've learned it all, you know, when you – think you know it all you're through you're done yeah you're done there's, there's no doubt about that I mean you always got to try to keep getting better if not I mean you'll get passed up in a in a, in a heartbeat I absolutely mean, there's, there's just so many good coaches out there and the game is always is always evolving you know you mentioned something about um you just mentioned about seeing a guy play live and seeing you know like body language you know leadership you know uh how they handle harsh criticism things you can't see on tape uh, I've always uh, wanted to get opinions on from other coaches about instincts. You know, um, you know, in, uh, in, instinctive football players, instinctive basketball players. You know, can you coach instincts, or can you improve instincts, or is it do a, does a kid either he has instincts or he doesn't? You can. I don't think I've been doing it for twenty five <laughs> years. If you if you got instincts, you got them. If you don't, you don't. Yeah. And. Uh, it's just I, I I believe that. Can you improve it a little bit? Maybe yeah. it's like vertical jump. You can go from you know thirty two inches to thirty four, but right. you ain't going from thirty two to forty five. Right, you know, right. You can right. improve it a little, <laughs> right. but I just think feel. You, I always say you can't coach feel. That's right. For players, for coaches, I mean, people have feel. Just for for anybody, I mean, feel sure. is feel. And and I always look, coach. I don't know. I always look for guys, things you can't coach. Sure. You know what can you not? For me. What we can coach is we can coach ball handling. Sure. Passing is hard because passing is part of what you're talking about, yeah. instincts, yep. you know, getting a feel when that guy's open. I, that's why I love watching quarterbacks and good quarterbacks because yep. they've got – you have to have feel as a quarterback and that's you right. better be able to think on your feet. Point guards are the same way. You mm-hmm. better be able to think on your feet and have instincts. And I've coached guys with them. I've coached guys without them, and it's, uh, it's really difficult. That is something – uh, I think we have done a better job of mm-hmm. uh, as we go is is getting a feel for that. You don't you don't always know for sure until you got them. That's right. But, That's right. You know you try to uh, eliminate as many you know of the of the boxes as you can. 
Yeah, that's the one. You know, one thing, Coach Trussell, when I was at Ohio State, he always was. He would tell us. He says, "Go find some players that can rise above coaching." You yeah, know? absolutely. It's a great yeah. line. You know, yeah. I always yeah. I tell you know I've, I've said uh, I always say you know if I if I get you in the I get you in the batter's box and I got you in a good stance, I tell you how to hold the bat, but you're asking me when to swing at the curveball. Like when do I need to swing? Yeah. That that's that's gonna that's gonna be a little a little bit of an issue, but you know going back to instincts and awareness, and you've done a great job, like you said, developing players. It seems like if a guy has a instincts and he has awareness and he does have a skill set and some potential it, through coaching and drill work and all that, you can develop a player from a maybe somebody didn't think he was a a, a real dude. You can develop a guy into a to a really good player. Absolutely, you can. And and I think you know, especially with young men, and you're, you're recruiting guys, and and I know football guys. I don't know. They may. I don't know if they've. Uh, it seems like everybody's a little older now, yeah, you know, because yeah. uh, everybody mm-hmm. they're they're red shirt and red shirt in kindergarten, you know? yeah, right? But yeah, you know, young no men doubt. from the age of seventeen or eighteen to twenty one or twenty two can make unbelievable mm-hmm. jumps in Without terms of their size and their just testosterone, and and especially if a kid comes from a background where maybe he's not getting three meals a day, sure, you know, and he doesn't have a weight room to work out. That's in. right. And, and so now you say, okay, if that kid comes here and gets with our dietitians mm-hmm. and gets with our strength coaches, mm-hmm. they can explode. And, you know, we were talking about LaVisca yeah. you know, before, you know, I mean, yeah. he's a guy, and, and I heard you talk on your, on your radio show about how he's got instincts. Yeah. You put instincts with a guy who kind of uh, grows into himself mm-hmm. uh, physically right. and, and mentally, you can have that happen, and mm-hmm. and and that's we're trying to find the Lavisca Chenault sure. in the world, and I know you are too. Yep. It's and it's not an exact science. You're not going to bat a thousand, um, but if you can try to get one or two, you know, uh, for you it'd be one or two, maybe a recruiting class. For us, it's one or two in our program right. you know, over a three or four year period. You're doing pretty good, and, you, and your program's going to be okay. You, you guys just talked a little bit about about you know young people and. Things change so quickly for them, all right? How have, how has that changed for you guys when you're going out and trying to relate uh, to a young person? And and then, is what culture has done and how much has changed really altered what those young men that walk into Mel, your program, or Ted, your program, in what they're looking for and how they're, they're, they want to be led? Has that changed? Yeah, you know what? Um, I just think back into, you know, to, to my career and just growing up. Like and just the progression, <clears throat> and talking to my dad, you know, yeah. uh, when I was young, my dad was—he graduated from high school in 1965. He was a senior in high school. His football coach—he played football and baseball. His football coach was his homeroom teacher. And mm. his senior year, uh, during the football season, his his uh, his football coach came to him in homeroom and said, "You can go to college and play football." My dad was like, what? Huh. I can do what? Like, you can – there's a thing – there's something called college. You yeah. can go to college and, and continue to go to school and, and actually play football, and, and they're going to pay for it. Yeah. And then my dad had no idea. So they had to change his schedule, change it, get him in the right classes, and he, ultimately he goes to, to Toledo and is in the Hall of Fame. But, you know, he didn't even know what college was. So fast forward to me, I'm a generation later, and I – uh. You know, I know I'm know I'm going to college. This is a matter of where I'm going to go and what right. sport I'm going to play and all that. But that's not even it's not even debatable. And then you know, so I go and but I was really just trying to go to the the, the best the biggest place I could go. So I go to Wisconsin. Sure. Right? right. So then I'm coaching at Ohio State, 
you know, almost a half a generation later, right? And these kids that I'm recruiting, not only do they know, like, they're going to college, they know they're going to be on scouts, they want to know, okay, tell me about your depth chart. Tell me about your scheme. Sure. Are you going to run a 3-4? Are you going to run a 4-3? How much, you know, they're, they're asking all these types of questions that I wasn't even thinking about. I mean, they were well, they're informed, and their, their parents are informed. They're literally looking at your depth chart trying to okay. decide. And then now it's, it's gone, like, all the way beyond that. I mean, they're talking about they want to know, okay, what can you do uh, for us in terms of paid internships? What can you do in terms of this? What can you do in terms of uh, insurance? Uh, you know, if we decide to come back for our fourth year, uh, you know, what about the agent education program? What about, I mean, there's a, it just seemed like they're just so much more sophisticated now and much more informed. I don't know, Tad, if you've seen no, the same thing. I think so. I think that's a great point, Mel. And, and, you know, going from, like you said, a generation of your father and then to you, and now we're, you know, one, maybe one more removed from that. There's no question. It's it's and and, and you you take social media into sure. the equation and, right. and how that shrunk the world and you know you see you see for for us in our sport everybody looks at the NBA yeah. and that's why I can't stand these NBA guys are all trying to team up to you know hook up let's sure. go win a championship like right. that you know uh, Magic and Larry didn't do that I no. can promise they wouldn't Michael didn't do it. Michael, no, right. they wouldn't have thought about trying to play together they wanted to beat each other's brains in but <laughs> right. so the world has changed there's no question about that at the end of the day it's what can you do to help my son or what can you do to help me if I'm the recruit you know to get to where I want to get right. and and I think that part maybe hasn't changed yep. uh, maybe like I said like like with Mel's father maybe they didn't he didn't know what he didn't know but yeah. now you know these they're, they're much more educated now they're much more uh, familiar with what how the world works so but in in terms of the the development of, of the young man in your right. guys's view are they still looking to be coached hard led hard uh, are there other there there are boundaries you know are, are you know I, I know a little bit about Mel about your dad and, and you know Setting tough boundaries, those yeah. kind of things. So I'm, I'm wondering, are they still looking to be led that way? I think they are, yeah. I mean, kids, you know, I always, you know, Coach Tucker brought up Coach Brown. And I remember, you know, asking Coach Brown when he was coaching the 76ers and his, you know, relationship with Allen Iverson sure. and how volatile it was. And, and uh, Coach Brown, what made him great is he was relentless. Like, huh. he was not going to back down from Allen Iverson. Now, Allen wasn't going to back down from Coach Brown. <laughs> and that's what made Allen Allen. But – my my point is is that he he made a comment to me one time when I said how do you deal with the NBA guys you know they're making all this money and he said Tad they just they want to be coached just like everybody else huh. and I'm and my job is to coach them and if I don't coach them and that's again you you ask about Coach Brown because what made him great he coached his best players the hardest yep. uh -huh. and most coaches that I've been around their best player they don't coach them hard. Yeah, hey, yeah. hey, let's let let's not. He can't get mad at me. Yeah. <laughs> we got. I got to be in good terms with him, and I'll I'll chew that you know second string point guard. I'll 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 chew him out every day and take it out on him. But I'm not taking it out. Coach Brown would do just the opposite. Mm. You know, he would go at his best player, and and that's that's why sometimes you know he, he moved around a little bit because that yeah. that that would wear you out. Sure. And he was relentless. I tell you what, it's amazing you should bring that up. You know, when I I played at Wisconsin and. And, uh, you know, Stu Jackson uh, came yeah, through Wisconsin while I, while I was there. And so I got to know him. And I, w I was a player. I would talk to him. I would see him around. And I asked him one time, I said, man, how do you coach 
Because people ask me this all the time, you know, how do you how do you coach those guys that are making millions of dollars? They're making ten times more money you're making. And he told me, he says, like I think he was with the Knicks. He says, it, the the great players, you know, that, they were the easiest to coach because they wanted to be great and they wanted mm-hmm. to, they want to hey, yep. tell me how I can be better, tell me how I can stay in the league. He said, I didn't have an issue with those guys. He said it was the guys at the end, towards the end of the bench, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. the the 10th guy, the 11th guy, the 12th guy, the, the guy that thought he was better than he was. He said those were the hardest guys to coach. I don't mm. know if you – Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I've never coached in the NBA, yeah. you know, so I don't know. I just know from from my conversations with – and Mark Turgeon, who I who I uh, coached with at Jacksonville State and mm-hmm. Wichita State, he, he spent a year with Coach Brown with the 76ers, mm-hmm. yeah. with – Iverson and you know, you know he had some Joe Joe Smith. They had some guy, Derek Coleman. There was there was he he's got some stories and and they're pretty pretty comical. But uh, I think I think good players want to be coached, like yeah. just like Coach Tucker said, they want to be coached. So I don't I think the human dynamic when you sit down with somebody across the table, look them in the eye, you know what was true 50 years ago is probably true today. The only difference is now that they have their phone, they're going to be looking at their phone. Every, <laughs> yeah, and I try not to let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was looking at my phone. What were you saying? <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. hey, Tad, let me ask you this. You've been here 10 years now, and, and you've had some great success. What is it? And one thing that Mel and I do when we talk to former athletes or whoever we have on the podcast here is what is it about this area, this university, this Boulder, this community, what the University of Colorado is? And, and let's be honest about it. We, we know this about Colorado. I, I tell Mel, I tell uh, fans all the time. I said, you know what? We're living through the golden era of Colorado basketball right now. Okay, Tad and Tad's staff have done a, a phenomenal job. We've right. had moments. There have been some Final Fours way back long sure. before we were around, uh, and there have been moments. The moment you know when Chauncey was here, but you've been here for ten years. Had had wonderful success. What's kept you here? What, why Colorado and, and Boulder? Number one, this is my home state. Yeah. And I mentioned, you know, I left to go to Kansas, and now I'm back. And it's like I, I, when you leave Colorado and then you come back, you appreciate it so much more sure. in terms of the quality of life. Uh, I'm a family guy. There's nothing more important to me than my family. So my family has kept me here, my wife, my kids. Um, and I just feel like we've got everything we need here. I've heard Coach Tucker talk about this. We have everything we need to be successful, except for one thing, and that's proximity to players. Mm, yeah. And now we've got the ability to get on a plane and go see those people. And now we got to get them here. We got to get them to Boulder, and that's that's the that's the challenge number one. But I just number one, I love this place. I believe in this place. And I've again, I've got the perspective. I've coached in Jacksonville, Alabama. I coached in Greeley, Colorado, which is an hour and a half away from here. Mm-hmm. You know, I coached in Wichita, Kansas. So I've been at places that don't have what this place has. And uh, I just think we've got it all. And, uh, and I believe in it. I love it. I think who you work for is so much more important than where you work. Mm-hmm. And working for a guy like Rick George, mm-hmm. working for a guy like Phil DeStefano, mm-hmm. I mean, we've got, we've got great support from our administration. Uh, I, I, I've coach, I'd be interested to see what you think, but you know, as football coaches, you probably talk, you know, what's the best job in the PAC 12 or what's the best job in the SEC or the big 10. And, and you know, those conversations can be made, but, uh, to me, you have to sell what you have and you can't worry about what you don't have. Mm. And I think make the, I see Mark few and what he's done at Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. I've been sure. to Sp- I've been to Spokane, Washington. Right now, in the summertime, it's not bad. The other yeah. nine months, ooh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's not, not, yeah. it's not the it's not the garden spot. <laughs> no, no, he he thinks it's utopia. He not thinks sure. it's the best place in the world. You know, and so you have to have that belief in where you work, 
to have that resonate with recruits sure. and their families, and they got to, and they've they've been sold before. You know, they, they, it's got to come from the heart. It's got to be genuine. And uh, I just think this place is special. And obviously the football, uh, I've learned a lot from Colorado football in terms of the tradition and the former players and, and the bonds that they have. And I think, Coach, that's something, again, you've done a great job of your first year is, is letting people know that the tradition means something sure. here. And, yeah. the, and the players that played back in the 60s or 70s are just as important as the guys that you're coaching now. And, uh, to me, that's what Colorado football is all about. It's got a family feel to it, and I've tried to bring that to basketball. Sure. Yeah, I believe if uh, – I agree with you. And I believe that, you know, if you, if you think – if you believe that, that you can get it done at a place, then you can get it done. Absolutely. You know, regardless yeah. of what, what anyone else says or what's been done before, tradition helps a lot. Facilities helps a lot, sure. you know. But, uh, you know, working for Jim Trussell at, at Ohio State, you know, he – He's a Cleveland guy, and you know, and we we had a bond, and he he put a lot into me, and he told me, because he told me, he said, Mel, you're gonna be a head coach one day, you know, we, I don't know where or when, but at some point, I think you're gonna be a head coach, and he said, you know, um, don't, he told me, he said, don't, um, all what, don't think that you gotta you gotta be a coach at a certain type of place, he said because you know he was the head coach at Youngstown State. For 15 years, yes, you know, and yep. you know, Youngstown State's in Youngstown, Ohio. I've been there. You know, it's the, it's not the mecca of any of anything. You know, at this point, you know, it's a uh, old steel town. You yep. know, they've yep. uh, kind of, you know, it's just a, a kind of a depressed area a little bit. And and uh, he won one double A championships. He won plural, he won, by the way. Four, he won four right. national championships yeah. there. And you know, he he told me he says I went there. You know, I thought I had the best job in the world. And he figured out how to win in Youngstown right. and how to recruit the Youngstown and you know, what type of kids he needed and who he could get and all that. And he, he built up the community and he had his, his network, he had his support, and, uh, and, he, and then he, he got it done. And so that tells me that, you know, you, you know, you need certain things in place, but if you believe that that's the place for you, you, you can win. Absolutely. And you, you need support. You know, yeah, you, you need support. support. You have to have that. You have to have a commitment from your university. Right. But if you have that, which I think we have here, uh, you know, you you can get it done. I I, I do believe that. it's 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 not easy. <laughs> right. It's not easy. Sure. But it's uh, that's what that's what gets us up and come, makes us come to work every day is that is that challenge. How, how excited are you? And I, you and I've talked about this kind of thing before, but so you're on the podcast now, so you can really be honest. Um, <laughs> you, Ted, there, there's not a there's not a real obvious weakness on your squad this year. And when you look at, it, I mean, you know, you you your coach, your job is to look for flaws. There, there's, there's one. Okay. Okay. All right. But for the most part, you are exactly right. We right. have got, um, you know, depth. We have quality depth. Yep. Uh, we've got toughness. We got size. Uh, we got the ability to shoot the ball. Uh, I think we've got commitment. We've got leadership from mm -hmm. McKinley Wright and, yep. and Evan Batty. Um, I love this team. Were you I, thinking turnovers? What was the one thing this year? Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you okay. about that off the podcast. <laughs> uh, I don't want, you know, I don't know who's listening to this. <laughs> I know, that's a good point. I don't, yeah. want, you know, I don't want this to go out to the other 11 Pac-12 coaches. You know? Okay, so that's a good point. But, good uh, point. But, uh, <laughs> but, no, I love our team. I wouldn't trade them for anybody. Yeah. And I love coaching the guys. And, and, and uh, this can be a special year for Colorado basketball. And it's it started that way. But, you know, it's a, as, as Coach knows, it's a marathon. This, yeah, it this thing, there's ups and downs. And, 
there'll be there'll be some potholes along the way that we're gonna have to navigate. But uh, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun. Coach, you mentioned leadership on the team. Um, can, you know how how important is that? You know, you got leadership coming from the coaching staff, and then you have leadership come from the players. You know, what do you think are the differences, and how that how that affects your entire team? I think if you as a coach have to lead your team every day, yeah. it's uh, you're fighting an uphill battle, mm. and I think it's really really difficult because when times do get tough, does you know it's it's going to happen. You know, yeah. you just look, you just went through a slide, right? Yes, we did. You, you got you've got some leadership. Obviously, on your staff, but right. you obviously have some in your locker room. Right. Otherwise, that slide would, you couldn't stop it. No way. And so you have to have those guys in the locker room. I remember Philip Lindsay mm-hmm. when he played here. He's the one guy, because I, what I do is I listen to the media. Sure. I listen, I'm one of the, I listen to you guys, you know, yeah. if I can, if I'm sure. in my car. I, sure. I like, I, I, I like to hear yeah. what your players have to say after a sure. tough loss or after a big win. Right. And I loved Philip Lindsay because Philip Lindsay was the one guy that said, you know, this is enough. Enough is enough. Yeah. And, you know, he kind of dug his heels in. And, and, and I think that's what you need. You need that guy that says, mm-hmm. okay, he hates losing yeah. enough right. where he can rattle, ruffle some feathers because some feathers need to be ruffled when things aren't going good. Of course, right. let's, let's yeah. you know. The old, you know, adage: you don't you don't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta have a guy in your locker room that's not afraid to do that. And uh, uh, I think we got a couple like that right now. I'm going to make an observation about about coaching. Okay, in in my role and what I do, I watch you guys. Right, I'm around you all the time. I see when it's good. I see when it's bad. I watch how how different coaches. And I and over the course of doing this for thirty some years, I've seen some very good responses. I've seen some very bad responses. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm throw sure it. you have. I, I, have, <laughs> I have witnessed championships and I've witnessed, you know, yeah. one-win seasons. So here's an observation I've made over the course of time. And I wonder if you guys have even, if you, if you really purposefully think of this or not. The one, the one quality of a head coach I've always thought everybody has to have, because you walk in, Mel, you walk in, you're standing in front of uh, 80, 90 guys, right? right? Ted, you're walking in, there's 15 guys in there. They're 18 to 22 years old. And when you're 18 to 22 years old, you know, you think you know everything. You don't know what you don't know. Right. You don't know come here from Sikkim, right? And I've always thought the one quality that you guys have to have is that when it gets tough, when you hit a slide, when you lost three in a row, Ted, or something, and is that they look up and go, you know what, I don't necessarily have to like you, right. but I've got to respect you, and I've got to believe that you have an answer. Yeah. Is, is there truth in that? Do you, you guys even is. think about that? Yeah, I, th- I think there is. I think you've got – you definitely have to have the courage of your convictions. You right. have to have a game plan. You have to have a philosophy. And, and your players have to buy into that. And, and they have to see that when they're doing the things you ask them to do and demand that they do, that there's going to be some success. Sure. Okay? And if they don't, you know, they're going to start questioning you. And uh, look, I, my first year as a head coach, we were four and twenty-four, and and my my whole thing was we're just going to try to get better every day, and we can't look at the wins and losses mm-hmm. and and t- tie our self worth or self image to that because right. we we weren't very good, mm-hmm. but we were going to get better. And that same group of kids three years later won twenty-five games as seniors, wow. and a couple of them mm-hmm. redshirted. So. I think you have to really focus on base where your team is, and after that tough loss or that slide, yeah. hey, maybe it's we don't have the horses that that we need to have, and mm-hmm. that's okay right now. Now that's when you that's when you get get on the phone that night, <laughs> talk to some dude. Yeah. like we need some help here. You want to come? You know, you better start recruiting. But yeah. 
But I think, you know, you've got to have that core group of guys that are, uh, you know, that have that backbone that you need for, for to, to, to build a championship. And you may not have that in numbers, uh, but yeah. you got to have that yeah. core group, if you right. will. And But, yeah, you, you better believe, and you better get your players to believe. And, again, I, I watching Coach Tucker and watch you, watching you this year, the one thing about your team that has stood out to me as a fellow coach is your players respond to you. There's a buy-in. Mm-hmm. There's a buy-in. There's a, okay, yep. And, and maybe it has turned out into some wins, and maybe it's turned out into some losses, but there is buy-in and there's belief and – and that's it's got to start there. It's yeah. got to start somewhere, sure. and then and then you can build it from there. Yeah, I I, I agree a hundred percent. And and uh, you know, players they they want consistency. You know, yes. They they you they want someone that they can that they can respect or they should respect. Mm-hmm. You know, they deep down know um, they want to they want coaches they want a coach they can trust. You know, and trust not just things on the field but things off the field as well but you know you're right they want they want a plan yeah <laughs> you know they want a plan and uh like Tess says sometimes um you know guys can be moving in the right direction and they can be improving they can be seeing some level of success but not winning the game mm-hmm. and if you can point to that and say listen we didn't win however we improved in these areas because we did this, this, and this, and you continue to do that, we'll continue to have better results. Um, you know, that's something that they can hang on to uh, in the in the, in the the good times. And sometimes, you know, because um, we're so results-oriented, but in building a team, you know, sometimes you can win a game, you know, and not play well. Right. You know, we come out of the Colorado State game, and, you know, the first win as a head coach, we're, you know, one and only. I'm coming out and can say, God, you know what? Well, we we got to get better, you know. We you know this yeah. is this is uh, this was not very good, you know. But you got to be able to go in if you have the that philosophy and they can and you can they can understand that. Then you can go and say, listen, we won. However, you know, in these areas, this is where we have to improve. And you do the same thing after 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 a loss. Mm. Yeah, and I, I don't know, if, Coach. I'd be anxious to see if you've done this. There's times where we have, you know, especially mid middle of the season, you know, dog days. Uh, it, late January, early February, we'll pull out game film on somebody not that's not us that's mm-hmm. having success in yep. college basketball. For, a couple of years ago it was Virginia. Right. Yep. And Virginia runs some of the same offensive mm-hmm. actions that we run and defensively have some of the same philosophies we have. Mm-hmm. And we'll say, okay, guys, here's, here's us. We just, we just got beat by, you know, whoever. Sure. And here's Virginia playing against Duke or whatever – and they're and our players see they're doing the same thing, same, same scheme. They're having success. Yep. We just lost, or you know, or or it doesn't even have to be after a loss. It can be after a win. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. But yeah. I think sometimes kids get so they get so focused on themselves, sure. and they got to look at the world outside of them and say, "Hey, other teams are having success," or you're watching game film on a team that's not very good, and you can say, "Look." There's a reason why this team is, that's right. You know, yeah. two and fifteen. Right, right. right. <laughs> this is why, and your players start buying into that. And coach, this is your first year, but I, I and I don't know. I have a tendency to repeat myself. I don't know yeah. if you do or not. Yeah. But what I, what I love about our team right now is I can start a sentence, and I could stop midway through, yeah. 
and the guys who have been in our program, McKinley and Tyler and Evan, they could finish the sentence. Right. And yeah. when you've got that, gives you a chance because they're thinking like you're thinking, and now it's just now let's go get it done. Yeah, I love I love like last season. I love going to the games and and uh, and watching your teams play. Love watching you coach. Watch the assistants. You know, uh, just seems like they were just getting better and better. And this, but the season's long. It's long. The <laughs> season's long. You know, uh, how what are, how do you you know how do you get your guys better? How do you keep the coaches going? How do you get those? How do you keep those guys improving? And I mean the season. The season is a total grind. It goes on forever. Guys, one one week a guy's got the flu. This guy's sick. This you know. I mean, how do you do that? Well, I think you know the off season's key. And I think as the older I get and the more I coach, the off season you have to get your batteries recharged mm-hmm. somehow, some way. As a coach, I think as players they have to get their batteries recharged as players. And uh, I think sometimes less is more. Yeah. And and I think you know this year or this week, for example, we just we just beat Irvine. We play Wyoming on Sunday, and I said, you know what? Well, I'm gonna give our guys two days off. Mm-hmm. That's unheard of in November. Like sure, you don't right. give two days off in November. Right. But right. guess what? If we play well in Las Vegas, I'm gonna give them two days off. You know, Wednesday and Thursday of Thanksgiving. Yeah. I think taking more days off, mm-hmm. having more uh, play. We call them player days. Yeah. Where hey, come in, get cold tub, mm-hmm. get hot tub, get a massage, get an extra stretch, yeah. get an extra 100 free throws or jump shots, whatever you need as a player, because uh, our ninth man might need something different than right. our starting two guard. Sure. And so that's a player day, yeah. and I, I believe I, I want my coaches out of the office by 5 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our business is so mobile now. Yeah. Take your computer home, watch film at home, put the kids to bed, have dinner with your family. Mm-hmm. It's a, like you said, it's a long season. Yep. You you can't grind away. I, I don't know how you guys do it. <laughs> I don't know how football coaches do it. The yeah. hours that you keep, I couldn't do that. They're I mean, insane, I'm, Ted. That's yeah, what I, I mean, I just, but yeah. I just think you have to stay fresh. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned, you know, we mentioned before we went on the, the air here, you know, uh, you being nocturnal. I'm yeah. a little bit that way. I, yeah. But, you know, Sleep. We've we were we brought a sleep specialist in, sure, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. to talk to our guys. That's a big thing in the NBA now. Yep. is sleep deprivation and mm. all the travel that we're doing. We're playing two or three games a week. You know, you guys are playing one a week, but yep. making sure your guys are getting enough sleep. It's just to me, I think it's true as a coach or as a player. You have to. I don't want to say pace yourself. That's the wrong word, mm-hmm. but. You have to balance. You There's got to be enough self care during a season. Self care. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. well put. Thank you, yeah. Mark. All right. Uh, <laughs> by the way, Mel, uh, last question here. No, you cannot recruit McKinley Wright to be a cornerback. All right. We've already. <laughs> hey, he's he's he too gets, good of a basketball player. Everybody man. gets five years of eligibility now. <laughs> oh, that's true. After, that's after his fourth year, you, you yeah. know, you can have him. He's, he's take him for a year. You know <laughs> what? Remember you said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Be careful now. You know, this has officially become the longest podcast we've ever done. This thing, we could go for another hour here. We could, we could go wow. for days, man. I, I, I really, coach, I really appreciate you coming on. I know you're busy. Absolutely, no. But this uh, is great. I know our our fans got are going to get a lot out of this, and uh, I certainly have. I appreciate yeah. well, you. I appreciate you, and 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 good luck uh, against the Huskies, and as you come down the stretch with the Utes and. We'll be cheering for you. Yes, sir. Good luck to you, Coach. Okay, thank you. All right. Well, that's a lot of fun today. And I can plug both of them. Uh, Mel, on Saturday, actually, as this is coming out, it's going to be Utah coming up this weekend. So, right. uh, we'll, okay. Because this one will be for next week. Uh, Tad is going to get back from Vegas. So what do you have after Vegas? 
after Vegas, got Sacramento State Saturday oh. after Thanksgiving. Oh, that's right. That's the same Sacramento time as Utah. Yes, so Mel and I yeah. are going to be in Salt Lake City. You'll be in Salt Lake. We'll you'll be, be by yourself. Yeah, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff tonight. We got we got a couple of great ones here. Obviously, leading our two programs. Uh, we got uh, Tad Boyle, the twenty third ranked Buffaloes, and Mel Tucker has got uh, Utah coming up this weekend, as it were. So for Coach and Coach, a voice of the bus, Mark Johnson. Thanks for joining us this week on Mel Tucker's Inside Zone.